Ronaldo McKenzie, and welcome to another episode of the Neoliberal Round podcast. The song that you heard just now in the beginning of the show is called Back, it's called Back in Blood. It's called Back in Blood, and it is by Pooh Shiesty featuring Little Dirk. Again, the song is Back in Blood. Uh, that was by Pooh Shiesty featuring Little Dirk. And this particular song, this particular song is right up the street and very important to our discussions for today. Today on the Neoliberal Round podcast, we will discuss murder rates are rising sharply. Is gun reform the answer? Again, we will discuss today murder rates are rising shortly, are rising sharply. Is murder, is gun reform the answer? And just so, and just so you know, we just played again back in, uh, back in blood. And I actually uh, went on the Urban Dictionary online and typed in back in blood or back in, back in blood because I want to know the meaning of back in blood. And just so you know, that song entitled Back in Blood the meaning of back in blood will alarm you. This is the meaning of back in blood. And uh, according to the Urban Dictionary, if I could find it right now, according to the Urban Dictionary, back in blood means having or wanting to keep something or someone that you will not lose them or it. So you will fight till the end. For example, murder, aka back in blood. Or simply put, to murder something or someone to murder something or someone and or getting revenge through means of physical harm again getting revenge through physical harm and that is the song the meaning of the song i just played so that again is very important to the discussions that we are having today and the discussions that we are having today is the title of our discussion for the neoliberal round is murder rates are rising sharply is gun reform the answer and we have data and statistics and other sources to support our findings we will delve into that today as we begin our discussions on murder rates are rising sharply is gun reform the answer
Ronaldo McKenzie and again this is the Neoliberal Round podcast and we are discussing today murder rates are rising sharply in the US. Is gun reform the answer? Murder rates are rising sharply in the US. Is gun reform the answer? Gun related deaths which is murder murder via the use of firearms only are not at their peak levels since 1979 to 1981 6.3% 6.3% which is per 100,000 people of the per 100,000 people of the population of the US and 7.0% between 1988 and 1922 1992 again gun related deaths which is murder we're, to- we're talking about murder via the use of firearms are not at their peak level since 1979 to 1981, which was at, at that time 6.3% per 100,000 of people of the population of the U.S. and 7.0% between 1988 to 1992. However, the data suggests that gun-related deaths are climbing back to their peak levels since 2014 and 2015. From their low levels of 4.0% between 1996 to 2013-2014. Now prior to that, there were some sharp fluctuations in the murder rate between 1981 and 1996, where the rates fell drastically from 6.3% to around 4.8% between 1981 to 1984 followed by a steady rise to 7.1% from 1984 to 1994 and or 1995. In 1996, the rates started to fall again, and by 1999, the gun-related murder rates fell to an all-time low of about 3.9% per 100,000 people of the population, which carried over into 1997 through through to 2013, with no major rise or fall until six, until until 2016 to now, where murder rates are rising and are climbing back up to their peak levels. Nevertheless, the Pew Research article and study that I am referencing or I will reference suggests from their study a skewed conclusion based on a misreading of their study and data or probably it's bad analysis. Because according to John Gramlich of the Pew Research Center, and I quote, more Americans died of gun-related injuries in 2020 than in any other year on record, according to recently published statistics from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC. That included a record, that included, that included a record number of gun murders as well as a near-record number of gun suicides. Despite the increase, the article continues, despite the increase in such fatalities, the rate of gun deaths, a a statistic that accounts for the nation's growing population, remains below the levels of earlier years. That was John Gramlich in an article published in Pew Research Center, February 3, 2022, entitled Gun Deaths in the U.S. 10 Key Questions Answered 
Again, I will repeat. I'll repeat. According to according to uh, according to John Gramblidge, and I and I'm and I and I am saying here that that the study, the Pew Research article, this article and study that I'm referencing suggests from their study a skewed conclusion based on a misreading of their study and data, or probably it's bad analysis. Because according to John Gramlich of the Pew Research Center, in his title, in his, in his article entitled Gun Deaths in the U.S., 10 Key Questions Answered, he says, and I quote, more Americans died of gun-related injuries in 2020 than in any other year on record. According to, according to recently published statistics from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC. That included, the article continues, a record number of gun murders as well as a near record number of gun suicides. Despite the increase in such fatalities, the rate of gun deaths, a statistic that accounts for the nation's growing population, remains below the levels of earlier years. And that was Gramlich in the article. Now, I am going to respond to this particular conclusion and analysis by saying, yes, it is true that the 2020 levels are below the earlier years. But what years is he talking about? 1998 to 2018? Because the data he presents here suggests, as outlined above, that the murder rate, the murder rate in that period was around 3.5 to 4.5%. Unless he is referencing, unless he is referencing 1998 to 1994, where the rates rose steadily with slight fluctuations from 4.5 to 6.0 percent between 1985 to 1987-88. And we will not include years prior to 1979 or 1980 because those years' data, data or figures were inflated to include the use of explosives. And as the, as the data notes, as the data notes suggested, the CDC and the FBI do not include that in their data since 1979. They do not include uh, the use of explosives in their data since 1979 and only include the use of firearms. So any information that we get or any data or figures that we get prior to 1980 or 1979, 1979, 19, sorry, 1980-1979 will include the use of explosives. And that is very important when we are comparing and doing analysis between years. In fact, and what is alarming is that the data, the same data suggests something that has not happened in the past. A sudden and sharp upward trend with a graphical line that isn't sloping, but is almost vertical in terms of the graphical representation of the increase in murder rates today. If you look at the graph, if you look at the graph prior to 2017 to 2018, the changes in murder rates are represented by a steady or curvy slope. 
But between 2017 and 2018 to 2020 to 2021, the increase is sharp and sudden and represented by a straight line that is almost vertical, rising from 4.5 to 6.2%, 45 to 6.2% in just two to three years and climbing and climbing. Interestingly enough, interestingly enough, we must point out here that suicides account for most of the gun-related deaths in the U.S. Suicides. Therefore, therefore, Gramlich's conclusions here that despite the increase in such fatalities, the rate of gun deaths, a statistic that accounts for the nation's growing population, remains below the levels of earlier years, is misleading as it does not account for periods where the rates were lower and even years where the data included other weapons, explosives, which must be accounted for when making judgments based on comparative analysis about data. And I'm going to repeat that again. I'm going to repeat that again. Therefore, based on what we have just pointed out, Therefore, Gramlich's conclusion here that despite the increase in such fatalities, the rate of gun deaths, a statistic that accounts for the nation's growing population, remains below the levels of earlier years. We're saying that is misleading as it does not. It does not account for periods where the rates were lower and even years where the data included other weapons, and we're talking about explosives, which must be accounted for when making judgments based on comparative analysis about the data. Now, this brings us to, this brings us to the question as to how we were able to bring and keep the rates, the, the gun-related murder rates down between 1998 to 2016. What policies on gun reform did they apply? Now, we can answer that question for the policies or regarding the policies for the policies regarding gun reform. And again, I said we can, we can, the question, let me repeat the question again. This brings us to the next question as to how we were able to bring and keep the rates down between 1998 to 2016. What policies on gun reform did they apply in those periods? And I'm saying we can answer that question for because the policies regarding gun reform have not changed much. As this issue has become a political issue between Democrats and Republicans, liberals and conservatives, moderates and extremists, gun owners and victims of gun-related crimes depending and depending on where or which side you're on on which side you're on on these groups in these groups will determine your position on gun reform but the divide is exemplary it is exemplary and gun owners are unwilling to give up or adjust their second amendment right the right to bear arms which is an American right that is derived within a time when their independence was threatened by England. 
Thus, the amendment ensures that every American was able to protect state, country, and their new national sovereignty and freedoms. Now, in retrospect, in wartime, countries armed their citizens as a means of and extra as a means of and to provide and to provide an extra and to provide an extra layer of military defense. Say, for example, in Ukraine, to protect them from the Russian invaders who are advancing on their territory, the government, the Ukrainian government, armed their citizens, making weapons accessible to them. Comparatively, comparatively, America is not at war. However, America is not at war. However, Americans have become in love with their guns and guns have become no longer a thing to protect country. But to sport, hunt, make profit, or to commit gun-related crimes. Again, comparatively, comparatively, because we said we, we said earlier, we said earlier a very important point that that um that this the second amendment right that that the divide this divide depending on which or where which side of the fence you're on in these groups liberals or conservatives democrats or republicans moderates and extremists gun owners and victims of gun related crime depending on which side you are on will determine your position on gun reform because the question we are asked we are contending for here now leading from what we have started from what we start with the discussions we're having is this brings us to the question as to how we were able to bring and keep the rates down between 1998 to 2016 what policies and gun reform did they apply and this is in relation to the wider discussion that that people are having about gun reform and of course with president biden's ascendancy to the presidency and the expectations that some liberals have. So, but we are saying that there is a divide and the divide will determine determines the position on gun reform. And we're saying that the divide is exemplary and gun owners are unwilling to give up or address their second amendment right, the right to bear arms, which is an American right that is derived from within a time when their independence, their independence was threatened by England Thus, the amendment ensures that every American was able to protect state, country, and their new national sovereignty and freedoms. And we said in retrospect, in wartime, countries armed their citizens as a means of and to provide an extra layer of military defense. And we are saying, for example, for example, in Ukraine, in Ukraine today, to protect so as to protect them from the Russian invaders who are advancing, who are advancing on their territory, to so as to dilute uh, their um, their new freedoms and their their independence and the nation, they are trying to. What has happened is that Ukraine has armed their citizens. The government armed their citizens, making weapons accessible. So as to prevent the, recolon the, the recolonization by Russia, who is not happy with the, the kind of independence that Ukraine is pursuing. 
to then re what they want to know recolonize so that's the issue however and i'm saying comparatively though america is not there america is not at that place now this is not 1774 1775 or 1776 america is not at war however america have become in love with their guns and guns have become no longer a thing to protect country but to sport hunt make profit or to commit gun related crimes therefore before we rush to any action to apply gun reform we may need to revisit those years and explore any correctional factors on the ground that may have caused the change as gun reform laws were not one of them yet yet gun reform and gun, ref gun reform and liberal lobbyists are still pushing for gun reform. I'm going to say that again. Yet, gun reform and liberal lo lobbyists are still pushing for gun reform. In fact, a recent political article entitled "A Year in Re a Year in President Biden's Bold Gun Reform Agenda" remains largely aspirational, and that that's the that's the, that's actually the title of the article. It says, a year in President Biden's bold gun reform agenda remains largely aspirational, which was written by Chip Brownlee, suggested that, suggested that, and the article, this is what the article suggests, that, and I quote, gun reform advocates who supported Biden have been frustrated by the president's failure to get any significant reform legislation through a Democratic Congress. And this is, this is Chip Lee uh, Chip Lee uh, in, pres in, in, in the article entitled President Biden's Bold Gun Reform Agenda Remains Largely Aspirational and it is was written January 5, 2022 and it is called What Happened to Biden's Progressive Gun Reform Agenda so the article goes on to say that many gun reform and I quote many gun reform advocates say they are disappointed by how little Biden has accomplished in his first term. His record pales in comparison to the expansive agenda he ran on in 2020. He had promised, amid a surge in gun violence, to enact sweeping overalls that gun reform advocates like Oliver supported. Biden's gun agenda was central to his campaign and distinguished him from Competitors like Senator Bernie Sanders, which raised expectations even higher. Now, leaders of main gun reform groups predicted that his first year in office, with Democrats also controlling um, Congress, would be an unprecedented period of progress. Now, Democrats are expected to take losses in the House and Senate um, um, in the Senate midterm elections, and Biden could be running out of time. This is from the same article written by Chip Lee entitled President Biden Bold President Biden's Bold Gun Reform Agenda Remains Largely Aspirational January 5, 2022 in 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 uh in the general article entitled What Happened to Biden's Progressive Gun Reform Agenda in Political in the Political. So I responded by saying Biden has been slow, yes. I agree. Biden has been slow to apply any more, any more gun reform, any more gun reform. 
that already exists because he shares my opinions and the opinions of many others who believe that gun control reform does not control crime and violence. It only makes people more creative. Again, Biden has been in response to the to gun lobbyists or gun gun reform lobbyists and and liberal um, and liberal lobbyists uh, frustrations concerning President Biden President Biden slow um, um, slowness or procrastination in terms of applying any more gun reform any kind of gun reform laws or policies that it, that already exists. I am saying that. Probably he's slow because he probably shares my opinion and the opinions of many others who believe that gun control, gun control reform does not control crime and violence. It only makes people more creative. In fact, that's the title of an article or blog I published in RonaldoCMcKenzie.blogspot.com dated April 9, 2021. In that article, I stated... President Joe Biden unveiled his first major steps to address gun violence on Thursday, directing his administration to tighten restrictions on so-called ghost guns or untraceable weapons that can be constructed from parts purchased online. And you can visit RonaldoCMcKenzie.blogspot.com or you can go to RonaldoCMcKenzie.com and you and this particular this particular article is actually available in RonaldoCMcKenzie.com, the neoliberal post at RonaldoCMcKenzie.com. And you can peruse the article and you can read the executive action right there or you can visit the article, the original article in RonaldoCMcKenzie.blogspot.com which was published April 9, 2021. And you can also access this particular article, what I, this particular presentation or this particular article via LinkedIn's newsletter entitled The Neoliberal Commentary which is Sunday's, which is today's uh, uh, newsletter commentary. But I continue. I continue. So I said President Joe Biden unveiled his first major steps to address gun violence on Thursday. And, but I said, however, no more gun reform. I responded to that, to, to this action and to this step, this executive action taken by President Joe Biden. I I responded to it in this particular article saying no more gun reform, no more gun reform that limits the access to guns can stop or reduce gun violence. All this will do is to create an underground gun market that will drive up the price of guns and criminalize more black young men, black and brown young men whose gun love is facilitated by Grand Theft Auto, the game. If if you guys know if you guys are familiar with video games, you might be familiar with Grand Theft Auto. And if you have kids and children who you who play video games and who you purchase video games for, Grand Theft Auto might be one of the games you recall you purchased for your son or your daughter, your niece or your nephew some time ago. So I said, so I am going to repeat. I said, I said, however, in response to President Joe Biden's action, Executive action, which he where which he unveiled his first major steps to address gun violence, directing his administration to tighten restrictions on on so-called ghost guns. I said, however, no more gun reform that limits the access to guns 
can stop or reduce gun violence. All this will do is to create an underground gun market that will drive up the price of guns and criminalize more black and brown young men whose gun love is facilitated by the game, the video game, Grand Theft Auto. Now, and I'm going to continue by saying, I continue by saying, visit Jamaica. Visit Jamaica. And just so you know, please remember, if you understand, during the, during the prohibition, the years of pro- prohibition, the years of prohibition, when access to liquor was hard to come, come by and it was illegal to access certain liquor, it, the, crime and violence and the and the kind the, the, the crippling effects that that resulted from that is or are the lessons we should learn because although there were efforts to prohibit access to liquor people still had access to it but it created an underground market it created the mob it created a situation where some people could exploit the situation. And, and, and it's not just the mob, but almost everyone and almost every, every sector of society that was interested in profiting from this embarked on a, an, an effort and some endeavor to profit from it, creating huge losses in society human losses in society and of course later on people they had to relax those laws so those are lessons and i'm going to continue i'm going to continue by saying and i'm going to i'm going to expand on this argument by when i say to you no more gun reform no more gun reform laws that limits the access to gun can stop or reduce gun violence and I'm saying all this will do is to create an underground, underground gun market that will drive up the price of guns and criminalize more black and brown young men whose gun love is facilitated by the video game Grand Theft Auto. Furthermore, I am, furthermore I'm going to add to this by saying visit Jamaica. Visit Jamaica and see what their restrictive gun control policy has achieved. Nothing but an underground market where guns are exchanged for guns. Sorry, where, where guns are exchanged for drugs and the makeshift guns become the new method of obtaining or using a gun if people can't get access to, to guns in the legal processes. If you want to reduce gun violence, limiting gun access either reduces gun-related killings done by a legal weapon and increases the use of illegal weapons in killing in killings so that the authorities will now experience more difficulties to track down perpetrators of gun violence since any new gun control policy creates an informal and underground industry we call black market. I'm going to read it again. I said, visit Jamaica and see what their restrictive gun control policy has achieved. And I'm saying nothing but an, only an underground market where guns are exchanged for drugs and or makeshift guns become the new method of obtaining or using a gun for those who cannot access a real gun. 
through in in the underground in in the underground economy or the black market now my solution my solution my solution here is this if 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 you want to reduce gun violence limiting gun access either reduces gun gun related killings done by illegal weapon and increases the use of illegal weapons in killings so that the authorities will now experience more difficulties to track down perpetrators of gun violence since any new gun control policy creates an informal and an underground industry we call the black market okay so what is the solution here if that is not a a, a solution what needs to happen is for us to think about controlling crime and violence again what needs to happen is for us to think about controlling crime and violence not a particular tool of violence and crime such as guns i'm going to read that again i'm going to read it again I, i'm going to say that again what needs to happen as a solution to curbing gun related crime what needs to happen is for us to think about controlling crime and violence and not a particular tool of violence and crime such as guns what is it what is it that makes people hurt other people so we have to begin by asking that question what is it that makes people hurt other people it's not the gun it's just the means to an end so let's think about the end and not the means so that we are not creating more problems by applying policies that projects blame on guns a tool of man to carry out their heinous thoughts further any executive and legislative action that relies on a gun impact study is a waste of time and does not provide a basis for gun reform i'm going to say that again any executive and legislative action that relies on a gun impact study is a waste of time and does not provide a basis for gun reform impacts and effects do not tell us how to minimize the rela- the, the rationale that creates a situation where legal guns are used which we know are already impactful if guns are not used then something else such as suicide bombers machetes and other weapons provide the same impact on 9/11 in on in 9/11 they used knives to hijack the planes and then used the planes to collide in the twin towers which was just as impactful so let's not be let's not be reactive and project our problems of crime on guns only to limit it so that more creative means are available to criminals to access guns to kill which then limits the ability of authorities to investigate crimes or killings using trace and search and of course i had i had mentioned this same this this particular i had had a discussion about this particular issue in ronaldocmckenzie.blogspot.com in in an article in uh, dated april 4 2021 in response to an effort for people to 
augment and to increase and to apply more gun reform policies. And I'm saying that no more gun reform policies will affect or curb no more gun reform. No more gun reform will control crime and violence. I'm, the article is suggesting and that, it, that it makes people more creative. It makes people more creative. In addition, in addition, we need to look at the psychology as we, as we look at solutions to the issue of, of, of gun-related crime. And the fact that gun-related crime is, is on a high and has risen sharply between 2018 to now. Where I'm saying that in addition, we need to look at the psychology of the impact or effects of video games, popular music, and social media on children. Most of the gun-related crimes today are being committed by, by men, by men, by, sorry, by young men or by young people by young men or young people below the ages below the age of 26 so if you study the data it suggests that murder rates between before 2013 were at least steady and or way below past years even with the financial crisis of 20, of 2008 up to 2013 so coupled with that is the rise Coupled with that is the rise in social media, access to information, and more violent games that glorify and promote guns and gun-related crimes. So, so when you look at the data then, the new kids who are now becoming, uh, who are now being primarily socialized by social media and video games instead of the church, mosques, and responsible adult family homes, with guidelines and principles. They are now committing majority of the crimes even without the use of legal guns. The data suggests. This is a very important um, this is a very important point here. When you look at the when you look at the data and the sharp rise in in gun related crimes between from 2013 up to now, but the but it fluctuated a bit between between 2013 and 2016, but it it has risen sharply sharply a sudden and a vertical rise between 2017 to now a sharp increase and i'm saying when you compare that when you study who when you look at who who are the people committing the crimes the majority of the crimes today young people below the ages of 26 and that when you also look at socialization within society and you look at the new kids who are committing the crime. Prior to 2013, prior to 2013, you, you've, and even up to now, you, what, is, what we find is a situation where kids are now being socialized heavily by social media, by social media, by popular culture and music. And earlier we started the show by playing uh, a, 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 a song by, entitled Back in Blood. By by Pooh Shiesty featuring featuring Lil Dirk, and I and I deliberately played that music at the beginning, and I de- and I and I defined for you the meaning of the word "back in blood" using an urban or ebonics dictionary, which means to commit murder, 
which means you if it means I am going to hold on to what I have even if it means suicide you know you see what's happening in with Russia and Ukraine look what's happening in Russia Russia wants to hold on to the rush to their Russian value and their Russian power and they are willing to do so back in blood even if it means homicide if even if it means to commit genocide and if you listen to my podcast yesterday or day before yesterday where I talk about where I where I shared with you guys the uh, uh, an article published by the Russian news agency calling for genocide or the destruction of Ukraine they are saying that and they are saying they're justifying the destruction of Ukraine or genocide of Ukraine or Ukrainians because they want to protect what they have they want to hold on to some value and so they're willing to get it back in blood this and that what okay and the song that i played for you suggests this this is what children are exposed and children are conditioned and our children we, when we talk about how people learn how people learn and how children develop when you look at developmental psychology and looking at how children develop and how children learn children learn through certain socializational social socializational means we talk about the um the con- uh, conditional theory yes we talk about um um agents of socialization within within society we talk about the school we talk about the family we talk about the church but um in today's society society is changing so that the agents of socialization is no longer church or certain communities that 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 promote certain communal values okay but what is happening is another kind and i said to you in a in a, in a, in a previous presentation and in the book that i'm writing i talk about privilege and 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 power and so on and so forth and greed this new protest the capitalism is no longer built on a protestant ethic of hard work and saving but on a protestant ethic of nepotism connectionism and greed i talk about that in this in that and when you listen to So when you look at the agents of socialization so as society changes the kind of capitalism and economic economic arrangement in society is has evolved as I talk about the the way the the the, so the agents of socialization in society that is changing so now the primary agent of socialization is not necessarily the, the family because especially the parents and especially if you come from a working class family where you now have to have 3 and 4 and 5 jobs if you can find a job Okay so now what is left is the children are left at home being exposed and having and of course we talk about access to information we said social media is the greatest victory for social movements because now access to information is now decentralized so we we talk about who control the narratives you don't have one person that controls the narrative it is now decentralized and that is good because when you have one person controlling the narrative then it it creates an opportunity for them to 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 usurp the information and to promote a particular information that promote maintain or increase their hold on power and their position we talk about that okay the information but when but but so when we talk about information even if information and if social media is provides value for society and it also helps to protect against and to protect against people despots and totalitarians through information and or using information as a strategy to promote discrimination and so on and so forth 
Okay, oh, so it, it provides that value, but it also has a disadvantage here as we, as we look at this particular article and talk about murder and how murder rates are rising sharply. But at the same time, we talk about agents of socialization. The new kids are now committing the crime. And we're talking about certain values in societies are changing. Okay, and we talk about the agents of socialization. Who are the people growing our kids? All of those issues, you have to bring all of that to bear. If you're going to have a discussion about, about minimizing gun-related murders, you have to have the proper question. But because we are so political, because we are so political, we cannot, we cannot approach the study. That we cannot appro- approach the study of violence and crime properly because people have become so, 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 so political. Our, our ability to analyze and to critically come up with solutions by looking at some of the challenges is affected. But I'm saying to you, the society, our values are changing in a sense. And I talk about the Protestant ethic. And even as, the, as we talk about the Protestant ethic, I say to you, Protestant ethic, this is, although I talk about capitalism has changed, we no longer have a Protestant ethic of, 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 of hard work and saving. It's not nepotism and greed. The Protestant ethic was not an ethic that drive all of society, only the many, so that the few can have sway over the many. I say that as well because, but why the, the, because only some people work hard while other people profited from those who work hard. So the Protestant ethic was, of course, was just, but, but now what we have is the entire society is infected by greed and nepotism and connectionism. So we talk about the agents of socialization and the, and the children now who are, who are now exposed to, who now have access to, and, then, and their parents aren't even savvy, technologically savvy. The children know, know more and they know how to access information more than their parents. Their parents and are still struggling to use the internet. They don't know what TikTok is. They don't know what some of the, they don't understand these terms. But children are exposed to that. And actually, there's an article I want to talk to you about because there was an article I did about about what's happening in Germantown and in Philadelphia, where carjackings are on the rise. And one of the reasons why carjacking is on the rise, and we said, is because people. There is a grand theft auto group going around in Philadelphia, not just in Philadelphia, in almost all major cities where there's a grand theft auto um, group where what they do is that they reenact what they see on grand theft auto. So they'll play the video games and then there's a group of kids that actually are on the streets and they, are, they, they, they form groups and then they, they, put, they wait for opportunities to run and steal cars or even to take cars using guns and I'm understanding based on conversations I have in communities with various individuals that there, are, there is one of the reasons why we're seeing the rise in, 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 in carjackings and car theft in, in certain cities and so on is because the young, and, and most and the crimes are being committed by young people just so you know in, okay me, the young people many of the young people are I'm being told are reenacting the grand the grand theft auto scenario that they play every day on their video games. So when I say to you that when I, when I, when I argue the point talking about grand theft auto, I am not making the story, the story up. 
I'm not making the story up. The story's up. So, so if you have, if you have popular culture that is socializing our kids, okay, promoting homicide back in blood, and they are exposed to games like Grand Theft Auto, which is Grand Theft Auto is like one of the number one games, video games right now. If games that promote theft, criminality, violence, carjacking, and shooting without any, without any remorse. What do you think will happen in society? So I am saying that in addition, we need to look at this, the psychology of the impact or effects of video games, popular music, and social media on children. And we're saying that most of the gun-related crimes today are being committed by young men below the age of 26. So what's happening is that so as the kids are socialized, then they reenact, and of course, it becomes a problem for society. So what, that is what we need to address at the psychological level, at the psychological level. So if you study the data, it suggests that murder rates before 2013 were at least, were at least steady and or way below past years, even with the financial crisis of 2008 to 2013. So coupled with that is the rise in social media, access to information, and more violent games that glorify and promote guns and gun-related crimes. The new kids who are now being primarily socialized by social media and video games instead of the church, mosques, and responsible adult family homes with, with, with guidelines and principles. They are now committing majority of the crimes even without the use of legal guns, the data suggests, based on my analysis of the data. Further, most of the guns, I'm saying further, most of the guns are occurring in poor black and brown communities and in heavily populated regions, we're talking in cities, that have been ravaged by COVID and have become the epicenters of the opioid crisis. Businesses were shut down and many relied heavily on welfare, COVID stimulus, and unemployment benefits, which also became a main source of contention in these communities as they fight over the benefits. Yet, they were scarce. Yet, they were scarce. The benefits were scarce. Were scarce enough. The benefits weren't enough. I should say, I apologize. The benefits weren't enough to keep many of these families going given the economic fallout on these communities. In fact, if you look at the poverty and income figures since 2014, they have been worsening, which correlates with the sharp increase in gun-related crimes. Because prior to 2014, there has been consultative years of increases in household median incomes and declines in the number of people in poverty in the US, while at the same time, the data suggests that gun-related murders were at their lowest rates. I'm gonna read it again. If you look at poverty and income figures since 2015 in the US, they have been worsening, which correlates with the sharp increase, which correlates with the sharp increase in gun-related crimes, because prior to 2014, there has been consultative years or I, I apologize, 
I apologize, consecutive years of increases in household median incomes and declines in the number of people in poverty in the US. While at the same time, the data suggests that gun-related murders were at their lowest rates. In September 14, 2021, the US Census Bureau announced that median household income in 2020 decreased 2.9% between 2019 and 2020. And the official poverty rate increased by 1.0 percentage point. Meanwhile, the percentage of people with health insurance coverage for all over for all or part of 2020 was 91.4%, an estimated 8.6% of people or 28 million people did not have health insurance at any point during 2020. According to the 2021 Current Population Survey Annual Social and Economic um, Supplement. Now, median household income was 67,521 in 2020, a decrease of 2.9% from the, from the 2019 median of 69,560. This is the first statistically significant decline in median household income since 2011. And between 2019 and 2020, the real median earnings of all workers decreased by 1.2%, while the real median earnings of full-time year-round workers increased 6.9%. The total number of people with earnings decreased by about 3 million, while the number of full-time year-round workers decreased by approximately 13.7 million, which was significant. The official poverty rate in 2020 was 11.4%, up 1.0 percentage point from 2019. This is the first increase in poverty after five consecutive annual declines, according to the article. And in 2020, there were 37.2 million people in, living in poverty, approximately 3.3 million more than in 2019. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it again. The official poverty rate in 2020 was 11.4% of the population, up 1.0 percentage point from 2019. This is the first increase in poverty after five consecutive annual declines. In 2020, there were 37.2 million people living in poverty, approximately, which is approximately 3.3 million more than in 2019. And this is according to income poverty and health insurance coverage in the U.S. 2020. And you can access this by going on to RenaldoCMcKenzie.com and going into the neoliberal post and clicking on this latest article, which was published on April 10, 2022, which is today. In closing, if we are to truly deal with crime, we may not need to first we. We may not need to first reform gun laws, but fix issues of poverty and income distribution. And socialization of our kids. Again, I'm going to read it again. If in closing, if we are to truly deal with crime, we may need to first reform gun laws. We, sorry, we may not need to first ref, um, reform gun laws, but fix issues of poverty 
and income distribution and how our kids are being socialized. And I'm and secondly, secondly, the data we we the data we suggest, the data the data we we the data we we referenced in this article, the data we referenced above seems to suggest that while poverty and crime figures are worsening, so too is the social decay, resulting in rising crimes and violence. What needs to happen is for us to think about controlling crime and violence, not a particular tool of violence and crime, such as guns. What is it that makes people hurt other people? It's not the gun. It's just the means to an end. So let's think about the end, not the means so that we are not creating problems by applying policies that projects blame on guns, a tool of man to carry out their heinous thoughts. I will end as I began by sharing the lyrics of the number 10 song on the 2021 music billboards and the number one rap song on the 2021 billboards entitled Back in Blood. And notice this violent song that socializes our children and that promotes violence and homicide is the number one song on the American bill- music billboard. The number one song means that millions of, of Americans, it's the number one song because it has, it's the number one played song and downloaded song and purchased song. This song, Back in Blood. You talk about how do you deal with the problem of crime, but how do you deal with it when this is, and who commits the crime? The very same people who are who who the very same people who are who are listening to these songs. The very same people who are listening to these songs. So I'm gonna play the lyrics for you. I'm gonna play I'm gonna read the lyrics for you because earlier I played an excerpt of the song and when I close, when I end this uh this episode, I will replay the end of the song. So the song says smirk. Hmm. Big blur. Hmm. Long way. Learn something back from this. Sh. Asterisk T. Turn me up. Turn me up. Yeah, I get in this. Sh. Asterisk T in blood. Homie. Of course. I got my own fire. Don't need security in the club. All the woofing on the net. Nigga, I thought you was a thug. I ain't go nowhere to go. I ain't got nowhere to go. I shot up, shoot, I shot up everywhere. There was blur, brr, whatever, you know, whatever that is. This is popular culture music, Ebonics, which is sometimes very difficult to, to read. And it, it goes on by saying, yeah, you ain't know who took that sh from your brr. Come get it back in blood. Brr, bitch, I apologize. I should not have used the, I'm going to actually stop right Welcome back to the to the Neoliberal Round podcast. And earlier we were trying to read the lyrics of the song written by um, Shaisti, uh, Shaisti Poo featuring Little Dirk called uh, Back in Blood. It was quite difficult to read. But um, so what I will do for you, I will play the song it's in its entirety. 
at the end so you can listen to it for yourself and you can go on the on my website ronaldocmckenzie.com or you can visit the um go on my linkedin page uh, reverend ronaldo dash c dot mckenzie and go to the neoliberal commentary where i where this is the article for discussion today and i present and i lay out the lyrics for you and you can actually type in the lyrics of this song by going online but um and i were i wanted to make the point as i wrap up i said earlier that not you know while social while social media and the the access to information more access to information is valuable for society it also provides an opportunity for it also facilitates the access of information or the kind of it being in the wrong hands so for example children who need adult presence to help them distill the stimuli that is coming at them because uh, if if children have access to information they also need help to part of the the uh, the learning process is for adults to provide an environment where they can provide an opportunity to to help them to distill some of the information and the stimuli that is coming at them but if children have unfettered access to information or social media or to certain kind of negative agents of society that breeds hate violence and destruction then the kind of um reckless and unethical immoral re, um rem, and and soulless crimes and violence that's taken a hold of society will continue so we hope that as a society we can work together effectively responding to some of the issues or the challenges that breeds problem without reacting by providing political talking points as way as to in terms of as to when we are talk when we are trying to provide effective solutions to some of the challenges of society and it means we have to study and analyze critically it means we have to go beyond ourselves because there are those people who benefit from certain from promoting certain music and we talk about the issue of greed which is the downfall of greed so okay we certain we talk about guns and gun and depending on what side of the fence you are on but the decision even if you are a victim of gun or or of the gun or your family or friends you are victims of guns then that does that that does not necessarily mean that we are going to react by saying we should not have we should reform gun in a particular way that does not necessarily address the issue what needs to happen is a proper a proper study and analysis lifting up some of the very same points and the very same issues that we have raised regarding socialization video games music popular culture poverty and income inequality and household incomes and of course and of course 
the issue of greed. Those are some of the issues that we may have to also contend with as we come up with effective solutions to minimizing and mitigating the murder rate problem. Listening to the Neoliberal Round podcast brought to you by Anchor.fm from Spotify and the Neoliberal Round Corporation, HTTPS, the Neoliberal.com, or RenaldoCMcKenzie.com. Please visit us and share with us and provide us a feedback by visiting the Neoliberal.com or RenaldoCMcKenzie.com. And also visit us on Twitter, Renaldo McKenzie 
or you can visit our YouTube channel, Studios, or you can contact us via RonaldoCMcKenzie at TheNeoliberal.com or TheNeoliberal at RonaldoCMcKenzie.com. Thank you so much and have a great day. Take care.